Turn in your Bibles to Lamentations chapter number 3. We'll get there eventually, I promise. As I said, I've got a short sermon, but a lot to say on my heart. And we're going to eventually get to Lamentations 3, but today is going to be a unique message in the sense that I really wanted to take some time to uh, reflect, uh, reflect on the relationships and the opportunities we've had this year, the relationships, the people we've met, uh, remember some lessons we've learned. Uh, the end of a year and the beginning of a new year always gives us the opportunity for a lot of things. Number one, reflection. You might want to write these down. There's seven things. Number one, reflection. Number two, remembrance. So remember the lessons you've learned. How many of you say you've learned some good lessons in 2018? Raise your hand if you learned some good lessons. Okay, yeah, and we could probably have some great testimonies of lessons you've learned and things that God has impressed upon your heart in this year. So the, the end of one year and the beginning of a new year gives us the opportunity to reflect upon relationships. Number two, to remember lessons that we've learned. Number three, to rejoice in God's gracious blessings. Um, we just got through a season of remembrance of God's blessings every year with Thanksgiving, but we continue that spirit throughout the entire year. And so the end of one year and the beginning of a new gives us the opportunity to rejoice. Number four, to reevaluate. What? Reevaluate our priorities. Isn't it easy through a year that our priorities can creep? And our priorities that were set and focused at the beginning of the year start to creep, and we find out at the end of the year, oh, my priorities have gotten off kilter. And so the end of one year and the beginning of a new gives us the opportunity to just sit and reevaluate. I hope in the next 48 hours, wait, less than that, right? 40 and a half hours, you will take some time, maybe go out, go on a walk in your neighborhood and reevaluate and reflect and remember and rejoice. Number five, and then recommit, or excuse me, number five is to refocus upon the goals and mission that God has called you to. I think a new year gives us that opportunity. God's built this cycle into our calendar. He did it with the Jewish people way back in Bible times. They had a little bit of a different calendar system, but still they celebrated a new year every year. They, in fact, they had two new years. They had a civil new year in the fall, and they had a spiritual new year in the spring, uh, the month of Nisan. So, so they had multiple festivals where they would do this. And and so we don't have the same exact kind of calendar that the nation of Israel did, but we have a similar cycle to our, to our calendar and to our culture. And so if there's anything that a new year does, it gives us the opportunity to refocus on the goals and the mission that God has called us to. Number six, then to recommit our time. Uh, I'm amazed at how fast 2018 went. Does it get slower or does it get faster as you get older? It seems like it gets so much faster as you get older. Seems like just yesterday I was pulling my sister's hair. Hey, Lauren, how are you doing? It's good to have my sister in the service today. And so, man, time goes by so fast. So what does a new year offer to us? It offers us the opportunity to stop and take inventory, to reflect, to remember, to rejoice, to reevaluate our priorities, to refocus upon goals, and then to recommit our time and say, God, help me to redeem the time in 2019. I don't want to waste a moment on things that aren't worthy of eternity. And then finally, the end of one year and the beginning of a new offers us the opportunity to renew our hearts in devotion and adoration to God. I want to love God more in 2019 than I did in 2018. I want my passion 
to grow for him, my adoration, my devotion, and I hope you can say the same. I hope you can say, Brian, I want to grow in my passion and my devotion and my adoration of my Savior in 2019. And so that's what a new year does. And, and man, yesterday I was walking in the afternoon. I, I got my walk in before, before it turned dark. I've, I've gotten on a walking kick in the last week trying to work off all these Christmas cookies. And I put down some New Year's resolutions, some goals. I'm going to try to get under 200 pounds again by my 39th birthday on March the 28th. I'm sure we're all going to set some goals physically. And, and so I thought through some physical goals. I thought through some intellectual goals. I want to read one book a month in 2019. And, and then I thought about spiritual goals and how you know I want to read through more of God's Word in 2019. I want that to be even more of a priority. And and uh, thought about, you know, just personal growth goals and sharing the gospel and growing as a pastor, growing as, growing as your brother in Christ. And so I hope you'll do the same thing. I hope you'll take some time over the next 40 or so hours to reflect, remember, rejoice, reevaluate, refocus, recommit, and then renew. Ultimately, that's what we want, is to renew our hearts and to set, once again, our hope in God. And so that's the theme of the message today. And so, as I mentioned, today will be somewhat unique. Ushers, if you can go ahead and grab these cards. Some of you are ready with those. Pastor Don has armed you. If you'll go ahead and hand out one of these cards to every person in the room here this morning. And this is not a sweepstakes drawing, but this is an important card for our message. And I want to go ahead and give it to you at the beginning of our time so that you could have some time to really think and contemplate as to what is your, if you had to boil it down to one hope for your family in 2019, what would be the hope for your family personally in 2019? So I want you to think about that question. The second question I want you to think about is what is your hope for your church in 2019? Now, if you're a guest here and you're a member of another church, that's okay. You can still participate in this. You would just think about the hope for your church there in 2019. But many of you are either members or regular attenders here at Fairview. And so I really want us to think about what are some hopes, what are some desires that we want to see God do in our family this year, personally, in our family, but then also here in our church. And so I want you to be thinking about that. What we're going to do at the end of the service today is Rebecca's going to come up and play the hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness, as we just sit and reflect upon the greatness of God once again. That's been our theme today in the worship. Hasn't that been wonderful to be reminded of the greatness of our God today in our worship? And so she'll play that. The lyrics will be on the screen. We're not going to sing that, but we're going to take those five or so minutes as Rebecca plays that song, and we're going to take these cards and, Lord willing, place them up here on the stairs and then I've asked Pastor Don, our administrative pastor, to have a word of prayer over these requests that you have. One hope for your family, and maybe multiple. Uh, we're not saying you can't put more than one, but if you had to boil it down to one hope for your family in 2019, what would it be? And then one hope for your church. Um, and so we're going to do that at the end of the service as we really end one year and begin a new year. And so today will be somewhat unique as we wrap up 2018. And so I want to take a opportunity to do a few things as a church family during our message today. Um, and so what we're going to do here at the beginning of the message, we're going to get to Lamentations chapter number three at the end and look at that theme of hope. But before we do that, I want to give to you, and this is going to be what's in your worship guide. So go ahead and take that out and you'll see some questions here that we're going to fill in. I want to give to you four questions that 
as I think about the future of our church, as I look ahead to 2019, these are four questions that really become front and center for, uh, I think, what is going to guide us in the weeks and the months ahead into 2019. And so I think these questions are both important for our church, but I think you can apply these four questions to even the next 40 hours as you think about your own personal goals and your own personal direction for 2019. And so we're already again to the end of another year. We're looking ahead to the hopes and the future of a new year. And of course, with all that understanding that ultimately it's the Lord that has to work in and through every part of that or else it's all in vain. And so with all that said, here's four questions as we look ahead to a new year as a church that I think are going to really govern, guard, and shape our vision into the new year as we grow as a church family. And I think that these will help you as a family as well, personally as well. Number one, the first question that should always be asked in any of our planning, in any of looking to the future, is in what ways is God leading? In what ways is God leading? And this isn't just a question, but it really is the burden and the prayer of our hearts to say, God, in what ways are you leading? Uh, Of course, personalize this. In what areas of your life are you in need of God's clear direction in your family for 2019? Raise your hand if you are a senior and you're graduating in 2019. You are in need of this question being answered, right? God, what ways are you leading? We've got some graduates. I think this is going to be one of our largest graduating classes. A lot of them are homeschoolers graduating this, uh, this year. I'm looking at them. Polly Joe, Isaiah, Charlie, and I think a few others that might be sprinkled in and around here. But they're probably asking this question a lot right now. God, where are you leading me to college? Where are you leading me for the future? I'm sure their parents are praying specifically over that because depending on where God leads, it's going to cost mom and dad more <laughs> in tuition. Amen. So, uh, yeah, so we're looking personally. Well, God, what ways are you leading our family in 2019? What are some ways that you are sovereignly guiding our steps into 2019 as a family, personally? But then also applying this to our church. And so the question is, in what areas of our church are we in need of God's clear and evident leading for 2019? Uh, With this question, something that we're going to be doing in 2019 is we're going to be convening a vision team to prayerfully research and consider the long-term use of this wonderful tool that God has given to us in a 47,000 square foot building. And uh, I want to show you a picture of a group of men who met with me probably three or four weeks ago now, guys. And we spent several hours up here late into one, one evening, I believe it was a Tuesday evening. Um, these are our deacons and also a couple of other ministry leaders. And we were really praying about, Lord, um, how are you going to provide for our needs as a church? Now, in some ways, God has began to answer that prayer in helping us to make up the deficit in our budget. Thank you so much for giving. If you're not yet a regular giver here in our church, I pray that you would. I pray that that would be a goal for you in 2019. You might say, well, Pastor Brian, I can't give this much. I can't give a certain percent. Well, give what you can and then trust God to help you give more as you obey him and follow him by grace, okay? And so just give. God, God wants you to give cheerfully, not grudgingly or of necessity. But we met as a group of men and we prayed. And I want to thank these men for investing into the future of their church in that meeting and praying and asking God, God, we need you to lead this church. And so that's, this is a big question. In what ways is God leading? That's the first. That's the primary question. And let me just say this. If you ask this question... And you say, God, will you lead me? 
then you must be prepared for God to surprise the socks off of you. How many of you have ever asked for God to lead you and then he surprised you with his answer? Get ready. It's going to be a step of faith. And, and so be ready for God to surprise and, and give you leading in ways that you didn't anticipate. In what ways are you expecting that God might surprise you in 2019? The question is, are we ready and willing to follow as he leads? And so this is the first question. In what ways is God leading? The second question that we want to ask is, as a church, is what is best for us to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ here in Decatur in northern Alabama? This question is going to be asked over and over. What is best? We can do a lot of stuff as a church. But how many of you maybe grew up in a church or you know of churches where they do a lot of stuff, but what's the effectiveness behind this stuff? I, I'm, I'm done playing church, to be honest with you. I'm done just going through the motions of doing stuff. I don't want to be a Martha. I don't want to just be busy, but I want to know why I'm being busy, and I want what I'm doing to be effective. How many of you are with me on that? We want to be effective in what we do as we, as we have programs, as we have ministries. And so this is going to be a central question. God, what is best for us to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ here in Decatur? In northern Alabama. This is not a question asking what's best for me as the pastor. This isn't a question for us as what will make us happiest. And this isn't even a question of, well, what will other churches and leaders think or look on with favor and not criticize us for? It's not about that either. It's God, what do you desire for us to best steward the resources and opportunities that he is placing before us? How do we steward our unique influence for the sake of the gospel? And listen, I believe Fairview has a unique influence to make an impact for the gospel here in Decatur. Do you believe that? Say amen if you do. I believe that. I hope you do too. I hope you can get on board with that as we see this. And so these are questions that we want to ask. And this is a question you can personalize to your own family and life too. God, what is the best way for our family to advance the gospel in, in and through our family here in Decatur and in northern Alabama? You know, that's an exciting question to ask, isn't it? How will God use your family to share the gospel in 2019? Think about that question. Powerful. Third question we want to ask as we think about the future here, as we look to 2019, and that is, what is best for the long-term health of Fairview Baptist Church? I don't want our ministry to just be a flash in the pan but a long, steady, growing burn. Amen? Something that is sustainable, something that is reproducible and multipliable, if that's a word. Sorry, English teachers. Um, what's the best for the long-term health of Fairview Baptist Church? This is an important question for all of us to consider because it reminds us all that we are but momentary stewards of a far greater work that God is doing in and through his church. We don't know how much any, we don't know how much longer any of us have. We are all at best just momentary masters of the fraction of a speck on this planet. And God has called us to be faithful to that. What a blessing we've been given. And so one question we're going to ask in 2019 as we go forward is, God, where are you leading? Number two, what's best for advancing the gospel through our unique influence to make an impact for the gospel? 
Number three, what is best for the long-term health of Fairview? And these are questions that this vision team is going to be prayerfully researching and you are going to be giving feedback on as well. And we've already done several surveys to get feedback from you and also to encourage you to pray about how we best um, connect people into the ministry here because ultimately it's not about just building our name. It's about magnifying his name. That's ultimately, we're just a... We're just a piece of glass that people look through to see the magnification of the glory of God. And so these are questions we ask. So what's best for the long-term health of Fairview Baptist Church? And really the, 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 the question behind this is one of the, how do we maintain sustainability towards long-term growth as a church? Um, I love being your pastor. I hope I'm here for as long as I live. But I realize that, again, I'm just but a momentary steward and I want to leave Fairview Baptist Church better than even it was when I came. And I shared with you last week, sometimes visionaries can almost produce this view that nothing was going well in the church before you got there. And that's not the case. Fairview has a long history of faithfulness. And so that's the question of, Lord, what can we do? What are the decisions we can make? What are the changes? What are the improvements? What are the investments we can make in this church? To where it outlives us. Any good investor wants his investment to outlive him and have an investment for his children's children. And so those are, these are questions we ask. And so this is about the health and thriving of God's church. You and I are just another long list in the throng of those who have gone on before us. And hopefully we're one of the faithful members in a long legacy of faith here at Fairview. And so the question is, God, what is the strongest steps we can take to, to see the church sustain and thrive? I really, I shared with you a couple weeks ago, I want our church to, my prayer is that we would flourish in growth in 2019. How many of you are tired of seeing Christianity just survive? How many of you want to see it thrive? I think sometimes when we see situations come up, and, and churches can be this way, you know, when all of a sudden the giving takes a hit or the uh, attendance takes a hit, we get really scared. And we're like, all right, Lord, we just have to survive, but that's not our question. No, no, no. The question is, Lord, what can we do as we want to thrive in gospel ministry here? And so we want to thrive and not just survive. And so these are questions. This is all swirling in my head as I've been praying about 2019 and what God has for us. And then the fourth question is this, and that is, what is best for the development and training of leaders at Fairview? I'm going to be transparent with you. In, in, in the eight years that I've been the pastor, I have done a terrible job of this, and I want to do better in 2019. Pastor Don and I have been talking a lot about our calling to train leaders. Uh, this is a great verse that really goes along with this question, and that is, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men and women who shall be able to teach others also. So we want to develop men and women as leaders here in our church. Spiritual leadership development. And so one of the questions we're going to be asking as we go into 2019, as we look at the ministries that we have and the service times that we have and, the, and what's our purpose and process. I'm going to talk about that here in just a moment. And I'm going to say this over and over over the next several months so that we get it. Pastor Don has told me, Pastor, you can't just tell them once. you got to tell people over and over so we get it. How many of you realize that we need to be told something sometimes more than one time to get it? Yeah, we all do. Repetition helps us learn. And so what is best for the development and training of leaders at Fairview? 
So this is something that I really want us to thrive in in 2019. For you to be involved and engaged, serving, to be trained as a leader, not just given something and said, okay, go do it, but to be trained in how to do it and to be effective. We just want to be effective here. I was telling somebody a couple weeks ago as I was thinking about all this and, and just really thinking about the new year, I said, we don't need to have the biggest church in Alabama. That's not our goal. It's not. I'm so thankful. God has freed me from that whole consumeristic view of what Christianity We don't have to have the biggest. We don't have to have the flashiest. We don't have to have the richest. We just want to be effective. How many of you want to be effective for the gospel? Whether that's with one or a thousand, one or a hundred, we just want to be effective. And you know what? By God's grace, we have been effective in 2018. God has allowed us to make an impact in our community in 2018. But as we look to 2019, our prayer is that, Lord, help us to be even more effective as we seek to point people to you. And so these are some questions. So where is God leading? What are the best ways to advance the gospel through Fairview here in Decatur, Northern Alabama? What's the best decisions we can make for the long-term health of our church? And then finally, what is best for the development and training of leaders here at Fairview? And so we are really going to, and I'm going to share in just a few moments, one of the tangible ways that this question is already taking shape. Many of you have already heard about what we're going to be doing on Sunday nights in the new year, but I'm going to share a little bit more about that here in just a moment. And so this is our theme verse here at our church. It's really become the theme verse for me in my own life personally, and I can't help but have it become the theme of our church as well because I'm just an extension of uh, my, my, my personal life as a, as a pastor, and that is this. Paul says in Acts 20, 24, but none of these things move me. There's a lot of things that seek to shake us, to stir us, to get our focus off of Christ, but Paul was relentless in his pursuit. Paul was relentless in his passion to follow God. And he says, none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. Man, that's what I want. Is that what you want? To be able to finish our course with joy in the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus. And here was Paul's passion. Here was Paul's whole purpose for living. To testify the gospel of the grace of God. That was his purpose. And you know what? I want that to be my purpose and our church's purpose. And so because of that, we formulated and crafted a vision statement around that. And that is to make more and better disciples of Jesus through his saving and transforming grace. And so as we go forward, what we want to see. We want to see God transform, save, and transform lives through the power of his grace to see true, lasting followers of Jesus. The word disciple can sometimes be a confusing word. It simply just means one who is a follower of Jesus, a student who is following the teachings of their teacher, one who is not just learning information from their teacher, but is learning how to live like their teacher. And so disciple-making through the gospel of grace is all that I know can bring lasting, hopeful change to people's lives. And so with that, we've got three purposes. And they're up here on these banners. Receive God's grace, grow in his grace, and give by grace. And so we want people to, as this is our purpose, so we want people, every person that comes in this room on a Sunday morning, we want them to receive the grace of God. Yes, this means, first of all, in salvation. But I don't know about you, but I need to be weekly reminded of the great blessings that I've already received in Christ. 
And so what is worship? Worship is coming and, and, and acknowledging that it's from God from whom we receive all things. I mean, we sang some beautiful songs this morning that really ascribed that reality. All creatures of our God and King. We are totally dependent upon God for everything that we have. And so anything that you do in life first comes from what you receive from him. I love this verse, and it really ties into this first purpose statement. That is, we want everyone to receive God's grace. It says, for if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. And so our heart's desire as a church, and I hope you can say this, uh, is that we want people to encounter the grace of God, to receive his grace. And really this, this happens best in our Sunday morning worship service. It's the most likely time when unchurched folks might visit our church. And so we want to share the gospel. And so our Sunday morning services primarily are gospel-centered. At some point, somewhere in the sermon, we'll get to a proclamation of the gospel and invite sinners to trust Christ as their Savior so that they can become a part of his family. And so we want every person to receive God's grace. You see, it's not great doers that reign in life. It's great receivers that reign in life. Do you see the difference? One's a Martha perspective, one's a Mary perspective. And, and so we, we first sit at Jesus' feet and rest, and then we work from rest. Oh, yes, there's work, there's doing involved, but it all starts with the doneness of what he's done for us. And so we receive from him to then give to others. And so, number one, we receive God's grace. Everything in our lives flows from an intimate and personal relationship with our Savior as we receive daily all that we need in and through him. The second purpose in our vision is that we would grow in grace. And so the Christian life begins by receiving, but then it continues through growing. It's like the illustration I gave to you a couple of weeks of a spiritual greenhouse. You don't stay a sapling for the rest of your life. You grow up into a mighty oak tree, and then you're producing fruit. That's the whole vision of the Christian life is that we would produce fruit so that we would grow in grace. The Bible says in 2 Peter 3.18, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Did you grow in 2018? Were there things that stunted our growth in 2018? Are you flourishing or are you floundering? I'm gonna, I'm gonna just put this out if you're floundering, it's probably because you're not receiving. The flesh is so subtle. The flesh loves to convince us we're doing a lot of good things. The flesh loves to convince us. I mean, the Pharisees were doing a lot of good things. They were doing a lot of religious things, but they were dead on the inside. And so are we flourishing or are we floundering? You see, God wants us to flourish. He wants us to grow. And so as a church, our goal, our passion is to produce growth opportunities for you, opportunities to grow in relationships opportunities to grow in your knowledge of the word. That's what it says here, but grow in grace and in the knowledge. So we want you to grow in spiritual education, grow in relationships. We want you to grow in your understanding of the word. We want you to grow in how you apply the word to your life. We want you to grow literally in multiplying and to see these spiritual growth groups multiply themselves. We want you to grow in, in being able to celebrate what God has done. So relate, educate, apply, multiply, celebrate, growing. And so, and in these growth groups, seeing one-on-one -on -one disciple-making relationships form. It's been such a blessing to see a lot of these things already occurring in our church in 2018. One-on-one -on -one mentoring has occurred in 2018 that has transformed and is continuing to transform lives 
in and through Fairview Baptist Church. All God's people said, amen. It's been incredible to see. And so we want a church family that's growing in grace together. This will not always be perfectly planned and perfectly neat. Families get messy sometimes. Houses get messy, certainly around the holidays. And so families are messy at times, but, and, and they're spontaneous at times. Yes, we try to have things planned, but also there's things that, because families are full of life, because they're a greenhouse, sometimes growth happens in spurts. I'm praying for those growth spurts and those seasons of growth and those seasons of blessing. This is where we fix our hope upon, is that, God, we know that you're the one who does all things in and through us. And so, Lord, we want to receive from you. We want to grow. And so, and so here's the issue. If you're only receiving... What happens? You become like that pond where only input. And what happens to a pond that only receives input? It becomes filled with algae. It becomes stale, stagnant. There's no outflow. And so what growth is, is it's you saying, okay, I'm going beyond just attending a morning service, which is wonderful. We're glad that you're here. But the goal is growth. The goal is not just attraction to the church, but attachment within the church. So that's our prayer, is that you be connected and attached, and that we have that kind of environment. And so we aren't interested in just building a come-and-go philosophy, a spectator type of church. Yes, there will always, always be folks who simply come as spectators, and we welcome you, but we always want to be encouraging you to take the next step in your spiritual growth, whether that's getting connected to a growth group first, and then going beyond that to get connected into one-on-one disciple-making, this is, the, this is the passion, this is the purpose that we have in encouraging these growth points in our church. And then going from growing in grace, then to serving by grace. The Bible says in 1 Peter 4.10, it says, As every man has received the gift. Oh, what do you see there? Receive. So it starts with receiving. It continues with growing. I mean, this is the process of disciple-making in our life. When you got saved, you received the grace of God for your salvation. That was the beginning of your Christian life. And then you started to grow. Some of us grow faster than others, but all of us are hopefully growing. Amen? So you grow, and then you grow to what? You grow to then serve. And so you see this? You see, as every man has received the gift, even so, minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And so the purpose of our church is really the process of our church. What, what, what do I mean? The purpose of our church is to make more and better disciples of Jesus who are being both saved and transformed by his amazing grace. And so the purpose is that they would receive, that we would receive, that we would grow, and that we would serve, but that's also the process. The process meaning the best time where people will receive God's grace is in a Sunday morning service. Now, there will be other opportunities for that, but that's the primary way then growing in grace occurs through getting connected to small groups, being involved in relationships. One of the things that we heard in 2018 was, Pastor, we just feel disconnected sometimes in the church, and so I want to challenge all of us to grow in community together, to see that growth, genuine growth happen. And we can't cause growth to happen. Ultimately, it's God that gives the growth. He's the one that causes things to increase. All we can do is try to be stewards of the environments where that can happen. Does that make sense? That's the difference. All we're called to do is cultivate the ground, to watch for weeds, to watch for pests, and to make sure that the ground is ready where God can bring the increase. And then to serve. Serving by grace. 
when you take your spiritual gifts and you are growing and maturing in your faith and you realize that you, you are an integral part of the mission of the gospel here, not just the paid staff. Hey, we're thankful to be supported by you so that we can do this full-time. Thank you so much for that blessing, to be able to focus on serving the Lord full-time. But all of us are a part of this team, and there are spiritual gifts that you have that are uniquely designed for you, and we need you to serve in one area, at least one area of this ministry. Many of you serve in multiple areas, but at least one. And so that's where we have these We Serve teams, greeters and hosts. We have a nursery team. We have a Kids Point team, growth group leader team, ushers and security team, sound and media team, worship team, outreach team, missions team, building and grounds team. Many of you have joined that team this year. Thank you. Pastor Don says, thank you. Amen. We're thankful for that. But all these areas, so how can you serve? We want you to engage in service. We don't just want uh, ourselves to watch ministry or to receive the benefits of ministry, but we want to engage in ministry. We want to help advance the mission of the gospel through your church, my church. You know that you've gone from being a consumer in a church to being a contributor in a church when you start to think in that kind of language. You know what? If this church is going to thrive, it's because of the focus that I'm going to have on engaging and investing. Not just being a person who takes, but a person who then gives and invests. And so these are the things that have, you know, this, this purpose is it's going to be amazing to see how this continues to grow in the days ahead. As we receive, we grow, and we serve. And then as we see more people receive, grow, and serve. This is the process of disciple-making here in our church. And so as we think about receiving, growing, and serving, the question we ask is, God, what are the best methods and what are the best ministry models where this can occur? Do you realize that sometimes what happens in churches is we forget the primary mission and we have mission creep and we create all these methods and models and programs and yet disciples aren't being made. Do you realize I grew up in church my whole life and I was never discipled one-on-one? in a programmatic way. And it's like, wow, you know, how did I go through all those years of Christianity and not have, ever have that kind of connection? And it was just partly because of, you know, in that time, uh, it was just all bigger and better, you know? It was just, okay, let's see how busy we can be. But there was no genuine growth. And so that's where we're at as a church. We're just saying, God, we want this growth to be from you we want there to be genuine life transformation in people's hearts. And so by your grace, what mo models can we employ? Methods and models aren't the mission. The mission is to make disciples. How we do that is going to be uniquely Fairview. That's going to be a phrase you're going to hear me say over and over. I've said it for several years now. I'm going to be, even become more public. People ask me all the time, well, what kind of music does fair, uniquely Fairview? What, what kind of uniquely Fairview? You know why? Because we're not trying to be anybody else. We're us. I'm thankful we're us. I'm thankful you're you. With all of our flaws, <laughs> with all of the things that God works in and through and grows us. So one of the things that, one of the methods we're changing in, into 2019 is our Sunday evening service 
focus. We're still having a Sunday evening service. It's going to go back to 6 p.m., by the way. 5 p.m. was just too tight of a time frame for us. Um, and we heard some feedback from several folks on that. So we're moving back to 6 p.m. But what Sunday nights are going to become is really ministry training and leadership development on Sunday evenings. We know that you can't be here for every single Sunday evening service, but we hope that you can commit to being here for at least one because you're going to be involved in at least one ministry serving team, and that ministry team will have a serving uh, a meeting once a month here at church. We're also going to be doing a lot of teaching for the first 30 minutes of that hour here in the auditorium. We're going to be doing a lot of leadership teaching and training. And the whole purpose is that we would have a model and a method where we are developing ministry leaders. Because sooner or later, all of us will be faded off the scene and there will be another generation here. And the great test of whether we have done our job is, are they trained, ready, willing, able to serve? And so on Sunday evenings in 2019, we're going to be um, moving into a uh, We Serve Ministry Training and Leadership Development emphasis on Sunday evenings. So when you come back on Sunday evenings here at Fairview, it's not going to be another redo of Sunday morning. We're thankful for Sunday morning. It's a wonderful time for us to worship. But the purpose of Sunday evening is ministry training, leadership development. Ministry training, leadership development. And I can't wait to see how that's going to help every single ministry department of our church. It's going to be wonderful. Uh, Pastor Don and I are going to be meeting with every ministry leader who leads those different departments. And if you want to serve, the best way to begin serving in one of those areas is to come to that monthly ministry training meeting for that area that you're interested in and be a part of that first meeting. You'll, you'll have orientation there. You'll be given the next month's schedule and what we're looking to as a ministry for that coming month. And so what we want to do is we want to take the 47,000 square feet that God has given to us in a building. It's a great tool, and we want to maximize it for gospel ministry. And so, matter, so, so no matter where we end up methodologically speaking, we're never going to change the core doctrines and the core values of who we are. So things will continue to change, methods, service times, models, but, but what doesn't change is the mission and the core values. And so this morning, we don't gather um, depending on each other's perfection. I'm so thankful for that because none of us are. But we gather together as a church family today dependent upon Jesus' perfection, asking him, God, how are you leading us? What's the best steps we can take for gospel advancement here in Decatur? What's the best decisions we can make for the long-term health of our church? And God, how are you doing this? What, what is the best for us developing ministry leaders? And so with all that said, wow, it is already 1042. Unbelievable. I told you I have a short sermon, but a lot to say. Let me just give you a quick glance as to where we're going in 2019 with sermon series. As you know, next week starts our Transform Sermon Series, How the Gospel Changes Us as We Follow Jesus. This will be in the month of January, a four-week series. The third weekend of January, we have a great, speaking of ministry leader development and training, we have a great uh, Saturday morning from 9 to noon planned of ministry leader training. Go by the Next Step station to find out more information on that. But if you want to get more involved in serving here at Fairview, that would be a great weekend for you to attend the third weekend of January. But every Sunday here in the month of January is going to be on Transformed, how the gospel changes us as we follow Jesus. And you're going to be hearing more of what I'm sharing with you today and what I shared with you a couple of weeks ago during that monthly 
series. And then uh, the next series we're going to be starting at the beginning of February is a series entitled Believable, How Christianity is Both Rational and Wonderful. It's going to be a series totally focused on apologetics and giving solid answers to every single generation in here on why Christianity is true beyond a reasonable doubt. And I believe it with all my heart. We have a few surprises planned. Keep free the second and third weekend of March at this moment. We're working on a couple of surprises for you within that series. And I can't say any more about that right now. But if you want to be trained in how to give answers to the skeptics, to the agnostics, to all the isms that are out there, this series is going to be a wonderful help to your Christian faith. And so that'll be in the months of February leading up just before Easter Sunday. I'll be coming back. Some of you are wondering, Pastor, what about 1 Corinthians 15 and 16? I ain't forgot. We're going to come back. We're going to hit 1 Corinthians 15 in the apologetic series leading up to Resurrection Sunday, which is entitled Living Hope. This will be Easter Sunday for us. And so Living Hope Easter Sunday is going to be another scripture sermon where I'm just going to be preaching the Bible with special music interwoven throughout the message. And that'll be Easter Sunday. We'll be having a big outreach campaign for that, encouraging you to share social media posts. And even, I hope, to have personal testimonies of you guys videoed in that service sharing why Jesus Christ is your living hope. So if you have people who don't know Jesus, that's a great service to get them to. And we're going to video you, and you can share your testimony and uh, I, got, I can't wait to see how God's going to use that special Easter Sunday here at our church. Then right after Easter, we're going to move into a series entitled Real Christianity. This is based off of a book that Carrie Schmidt wrote. And it's really going to be a great series for us to study through. You're going to actually use his book in your small groups. And so what we're really moving to as a church is there's going to be one sermon series a year where we're all going to kind of get on the same page for those couple of months And we're going to go through a study together. And this year is going to be real Christianity. We'll be talking to the small group leaders a little bit later about that and giving you the tools that you need. And so real Christianity, embrace the grace, endure the struggle, enjoy the relationship. Do you enjoy your relationship with God? God means for you to. This series will really help you to do that. So real Christianity, this is great for both new believers and people who have been saved for 20 years. I wish that this resource would have been available to me 20 years ago when I got saved. So I hope that's going to be a help to us. That'll be from the uh, end of April to the end of July. And then we're going to move into a series entitled Free to Forgive, a study in the book of Philemon on forgiveness, reconciliation, repentance, what those words mean and how they apply to both our relationship with God But then also, primarily, the focus is going to be how this applies to our relationship between each other. I meet a lot of bitter Christians, a lot of folks who struggle with this issue of forgiveness. And what does that mean when I forgive someone? You know, how does that process work? Is there a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation? And so we're going to be studying the book of Philemon. I can't wait to study that short book with you in that series, Free to Forgive. And then in August, of course, is Fairview Global, our annual missions month. Cannot wait for that. Already have two missionaries planned to come in the month of August. So we're still working on the two final slots for that. So that'll be in August. And then we have a series entitled Back to School, Continuing Education of Gospel-Shaped Parenting. Get ready, parents. This is going to be a parenting series for you, encouraging you in your mission of raising the next generation grounded, rooted in the gospel. And then 
There will be a couple of other things in between there. Obviously, Thanksgiving, uh, November's turning into a month where several staff minister and preach as well. So hope to get Pastor Don in November and then a couple of other uh, willing volunteers to help us as well in November. But then December will be, Advent season will be December, uh, the series God With Us. That'll be our Christmas series, which then leads us right into what we're going to be doing in Chris, at Christmas, and that is, Lord willing, having a dramatic presentation of a um, drama entitled The Gift, and that's either going to be on December 15th or the 22nd. So, all that said, we've got a wonderful year planned. Some of these, hopefully all these things come to fruition, but ultimately the Lord controls our calendar. As, uh, as Jessica said earlier, I appreciate what her statements were. We can have the best plans, but if the Lord does not do the work, it's all in vain. And so our prayer as we go into 2019 is, God, we want to be effective. We just want you to get the glory. We just want more people to be brought to Christ. So our mission, God, is to make more and better disciples of Jesus through the power of his saving and transforming grace. That's our mission. That's our mission. And so we come together looking up at Jesus, looking forward in hope, looking out towards a world that needs the gospel, and looking to one another with the question of, how can I invest in you? Isn't it great when you go to a church where the question is, how can I invest in you? Not how can I incriminate you? How can I judge you? How can I cross-examine you? But the question is, how can I bless you and help you to, as you grow in grace and as you live, hopefully live the spirit-filled life? So this is our goal. So we look up, we look forward, we look out, and we look to. And it's this looking forward in hope that I just want to finish our time together today. So look quickly at Lamentations chapter number 3. Lamentations 3, verses 21 through 26. I've been sharing some of my thoughts in our Wednesday evening uh, prayer time. We have a wonderful time of prayer on Wednesday evenings. We'd love for you to be a part of that. Um, but I share a short devotional every week, and I've been in Lamentations and some other areas looking at faithfulness. And I wanted to come back to this today and talk about not only faithfulness, but this word hope that Jeremiah mentions here. Verses 21 through 26. It says, This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. While the author of Lamentations is nameless within the book, most scholars agree that it is Jeremiah, because of the evidence without the book, that Jeremiah is the human author that wrote this book of Lamentations, and he wrote this passage. This book was written around 586 B.C. when the city of Jerusalem and the entire nation of Israel was defeated by the Babylonians, many of them killed, many of them taken into captivity. And so Jeremiah did not say these words here in this passage in the midst of, oh, everything's hunky-dory. He said he would hope in God in the midst of great tragedy and great sorrow. In fact, the book of Lamentations begins this way. How doth the city sit solitary, empty, that was full of people? He's talking about the city of Jerusalem. How has she become as a widow, she that was great among the nations and princess among the provinces? How has she become literally a slave? 
Jeremiah was the prophet who saw the nation of Israel be defeated by the Babylonians and go into captivity. In fact, if you study the book of Lamentations, you'll find that young men and women were cut in half by the swords of the Babylonians, chapter 2, verse 21. You'll find that mothers would actually turn to their own children to use as food in chapter 4, verse 10. Terrible situation. Terrible tragedy, terrible grief, terrible sorrow. I mean, the book Lamentations means, that word means great sorrow, great grief. And so the reason I point that out is because Jeremiah did not say that he would hope in God in the midst of great and hunky-dory circumstances. He said that he would hope in God in the midst of tragedy. And so he would say this in verses 24 to 26, The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him. To the soul that seeketh him, it is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. So I want you to notice in this... So when you read this passage, it's a passage that's put in cards. One of our most famous hymns is based off of this passage. We're about to have Rebecca play it. In fact, Rebecca, if you want to go ahead and get ready at the piano because we're going to speed things up just a little bit here. So this passage is very famous, but, but I want you to notice that Jeremiah's hope was not misplaced, wistful sentimentality that his problems really weren't that big after all. No, his problems were big. And I actually talked several weeks ago to our Wednesday night crowd about how sometimes we like to minimize our problems. And when we minimize our problems, really what we're doing is we're saying we don't have a big enough God to handle our big problems. When you minimize your problems and you say, oh, well, it's not, if it's bad, it's bad. But, but, but what I love about this is Jeremiah is not, this isn't wistful sentimentality of, oh, everything's going to be okay. It's not really that bad. Actually, do you realize there were false prophets who were telling the nation of Israel that they weren't going to be in captivity for 70 years? It wasn't going to be that bad. In fact, if you study Jeremiah out, you'll actually find out that, that, that uh, these, these prophets were saying, oh, you'll just be there for a couple of years. But Jeremiah said, nope, you better build houses there. You better plant fields there. You better go ahead and get married there because you're going to be there 70 years. And I think what the lesson there is that what God's showing us is we don't have to pretend like everything's okay. We have a God who's bigger than our problems. And so Jeremiah could say, I'm going to hope in God no matter how bad it is right now. Now, we might not have had a terrible 2018. I'm, I'm going to probably say that none of us saw what Jeremiah did in this year that he saw the city of Jerusalem be laid desolate and the nation of Israel going to captivity. But I want you to think, why could Jeremiah say this with such certainty? See, this hope isn't just, I hope so. No, this is a confident expectation of good because of who God is. Why could he say this? Because Jeremiah was the same person who wrote the prophecy about the new covenant of grace. Yes, Jeremiah 31, verses 31 through 34. You see, if every new day there's a reason for renewed hope, then certainly with every new year there's a reason for renewed hope. And why could Jeremiah look at his circumstances as big as they were, as terrible as they were, as tragic as they were, and have hope in God? It's because Jeremiah understood, at least to some degree, what God was at work doing. You see, the new covenant is what guarantees that our hope is placed in a trustworthy source. Jeremiah 31, verse 31 says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. He goes on to say how the nation broke the old covenant, and that's why they were in captivity now. 
they couldn't keep it. But the God-man, Jesus Christ, would come as man, keeping the old, mediating the new. The new covenant, it's our anchor of hope, the writer of Hebrews 6 says, which is set before us. It's the anchor of the soul. It's the hope set before us. Even Jesus made an high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Why? Because he is the mediator of the new covenant. See, Jeremiah could have hope in God because he knew how certain the promises of God were. Jeremiah knew the heart of God. And so when we struggle with hope, it's because we don't really know who God is. We've lost sight of him. No, there's one God and one mediator between God and men. It's the man, Christ Jesus. So where's your hope? Man, as I look at 2019, I have great hope. Not because we've got great facilities, not because we've got great people, which you are, not because, you know, we've got a good budget or anything. No, I've got great hope because God's not at w- done sharing the good news with people in this world that he's the mediator, that he's the savior. And so our goal is to proclaim the good news of this amazing gospel and point as many people to Jesus as we possibly can because God has told us to be ready to give a reason for the hope that lies in you. So as we look to 2019, we can say, you know what? I've got great hope in God because God made that prophecy to Jeremiah. And and think about it, Jeremiah had great faith because it hadn't been fulfilled yet, but Jesus came and he raised that cup in the upper room and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do you as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. You see, we're called children of the promise. You know why? Because we live on the other side of that great truth. There's anybody that should have hope, it's us. When we struggle with discouragement, we need to challenge ourselves and say, wow, why am I struggling with discouragement so much? Why am I overwhelmed with sorrow? Why am I overwhelmed with grief? Hope thou in God, for he is my portion, saith my soul. So if you have that card, I hope you've been thinking about this. What are hopes that you have for your family. But understand that when we're talking about this, we're talking about, okay, God, I want to see this happen in my family. This is the hope that I have for my family in 2019. And what you're saying when you're writing this down is, I'm hoping that I see this, but I'm hoping that I see this because I know, God, that you can do this. I know that you're at work in and through this. It can only, it, it'll only happen because you do it, God. So what is that hope that you have for your family? And then what is your hope in this new year for your church? With every head bowed and every eye closed, as you think about that and as you write those hopes down, I'm going to ask you here in just a moment to spend a time of reflection and response to what we've heard this morning. A lot of plans, a lot of things have been shared with you, but it all comes down to this. God must do the work. And we hope in him. He is a trustworthy source of hope. He's proven that time and time again.